This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Gabe Nigel, Jordan Run on filling in for the guys today. Bit of breaking news Ooh. coming across the wire just a couple of minutes Ooh. ago from Adam Schefter, ESPN senior NFL insider. And not going to lie, Jordan, this one kind of shocks me a little bit because earlier this week when the Jets agreed to release Dalvin Cook, I looked around and went, what? How does this make any sense? I mean, it made sense for the Jets because they got out of some of the guarantees that they still owed him at the end of the contract. But for Dalvin Cook, I'm like, who's going to sign him right now? He hasn't shown anything this year with the Jets. And kind of looking at all the teams that were ready to be postseason teams, it seemed they were kind of set at running back. Apparently not the case because I end up being wrong there. According to Adam Schefter, four-time Pro Bowl running back, Dalvin Cook is signing for a playoff push with the Baltimore Ravens. That's per his agency at Loyalty Above All Sports Entertainment Agency. The Jets paid Cook $6.8 million this season, and now he gets a chance to go from the Jets to the Ravens and a chance to pursue a Super Bowl with Baltimore. This is a surprising move to me because I feel like Gus Edwards, Justice Hill have been solid running backs for them. Heck, they had Melvin Gordon call up, called up off their practice squad. He scored a touchdown late against the Miami Dolphins this past weekend. It seemed like they were okay, but apparently they decided they want a little bit more depth at that running back position. Yeah, I think it's uh, he could provide them some depth behind Gus Edwards. Like I, At this point of his career, Gus Edwards is probably better than Dalvin Cook, like yeah. in my mind. So, mm-hmm. But to have a, that option behind him? I think it's pretty good. I mean, Justice Hill, eh? Melvin He's Gordon probably doesn't have probably doesn't really have much left at all. And I know Dalvin Cook doesn't have a ton left either. I think what you can get with Dalvin Cook is not the same player he used to have, but you can get a hard between the tackles runner or a guy who could get some tough yards for you. I think that's what Dalvin Cook is now at this point of his career, which is why I thought there was spots for him, and I thought the best spot for him actually was the Dallas Cowboys. Because what have they been missing? I think Tony Pollard's a good back. Mm-hmm. And I know he's coming back from an injury, but they've missed that those tough yards in between the tackles. And Tony Pollard, I think it's kind of taken away from him because he's been used in that role, and that's not what he's good at, and that's taken away from his specialty, which is getting on the edges, being used as a pass catcher. So that's what I think Dalvin Cook can bring the Baltimore Ravens right now and at least give them some depth and contingency plans because they're not that strong at running back. Those names you listed, they don't they, they blow you away, Gabe? They don't blow me away, but like you said, I figured Gus Edwards was is better than Dalvin Cook at this point. I would imagine Cook is going to get some run this weekend, even though Tyler Huntley's starting. I think you want to get him just a couple of reps since I mean, yeah, for sure. you have the week off. You have that guaranteed buy in there, so I would not be shocked, even though it's already Thursday, if Dalvin Cook gets a couple of carries at running back for the Baltimore Ravens. And yeah, he's probably not going to be getting a bunch of touches, but... He's been explosive enough in his past where you give him three to five, maybe he breaks a big one and ends up being a, a big yardage on a big drive at, at a key moment in a game going forward. So uh, interesting depth yeah, sign. Just one play here or there, I think you, you would, t- you know, then that's like a successful signing, right? Like, 
yeah, oh, one yeah. big play in the postseason, and you're like, that's why we signed him. It's it's going to cost him nothing. He cleared waivers because nobody wanted to pick up Dalvin Cook's contract, and so you're basically signing him for like the minimum. I mean, nothing, so it doesn't cost much. You could bring him in. Heck, you don't even need to make him active. So I, I, I see. I, I look at this and say, okay, I see what the Ravens are doing here. I could, uh, this makes a lot of sense to me. And if you're Dalvin Cook, heck, this is like NBA. Go ring chase, man. Go for it. Why not? Yeah, and especially to land with the team with the best record in the NFL, the number one seed in the AFC. Seems like a great spot to land for him. And like you said, it's going to be veteran minimum. It's just veteran minimum for one week because then the playoffs start, and that's all separate. That's not that's not salary-capped. And that's not counted against. Uh, Meanwhile, in the big game coming up this weekend, the one that uh, has a division championship riding on it, the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins, Sunday night football. It's the reason why it was pushed all the way back there. The Bills have plenty on the line. They win. They become the two seed. They lose. And there's a decent chance they end up out of the playoffs if they have a couple of things break against them during the day. Now, Good thing for Buffalo is they will know their situation heading into that game. That if their playoff is safe and they're going to be a wild card team, or if it's going to be as simple as winning you're in in the two seed, lose and doesn't you're affect out. the way you play though in any way, shape, or form, right? Because I mean you no. go all out for the home field in the number two yes. seed the same way you would as if your playoffs are on the line. Correct. Yeah, that that should not affect the way they do that. I mean, it, it is nice to know, I guess, going into that game that, hey, even if you lose, you have the backup plan. But the backup plan and having to go on the road with some of these teams in the AFC doesn't seem like a very good one uh, because of the different quarterback talents you would have to take on. And some of the conversations... Is it possible if they lose that they could they would play again the next week, those two teams? Um... Right, because then they would be about the six or seven seed if, if Buffalo gets in as the so, wild card. Probably the seven, right? Yeah, and you then you'd be playing be the, the seven, two seed. And then you'd be back in Miami the very next week. Mm, interesting. Because, yeah, because the winner, back back. Got, get, winner gets the two seed no matter what. AFC East winner is going to be the two seed. Chiefs are locked into that three seed, and whoever wins the AFC South is going to be the four seed. So, yeah, you're kind of locked in and may have to play them back to back. The five seed is locked as Cleveland. Yes. Right, the six seed is would be Miami if if Buffalo wins. Who's the six seed if if it's not them? Who uh, if who's in not? That, I mean, who's in that running it, now because the Steelers, if they get in, they're the seventh seed, right? Yeah, Steelers would be the seventh seed. I mean, and all those teams that are sitting there South with nine wins still have yeah. a shot too. Texans, Colts, yeah. I mean, Jaguars, like all those teams, you know, potentially in the mix. Um, for that last that it's last spot in the, in the end for those last two spots, I guess. Oh, it is it is a, a lot mess. of scenarios. It is a mess. But what also has been a mess? Stefan Diggs' stats over the last seven weeks. So he got off to a great start this year. Stefan Diggs for the Buffalo Bills. He hasn't had a hundred yard receiving game since he caught ten passes out of sixteen for a hundred yards against the Giants on October fifteenth. Oh wow! I remember that. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was Tyrod 15th. Taylor's first stint as the starter with the Giants. <laughs> Before him, mean, he's had another stint now. So his first, the, the first nine games, weeks one to nine, 70 catches, 834 yards, seven touchdowns. Spectacular. Mm-hmm. But weeks 10 to 17, just 30 catches, 262 yards, and a touchdown for Stephon Diggs. Um, so he, he, he's gotten up over 1,000 yards. He's done some of the things that he's done that we've expected him to do. But... Hasn't been as productive as of late, especially since Joe Brady has taken over as the offensive play caller. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, 
on NFL Live this week had this to say about Diggs' lack of recent production. I have zero concerns. I actually appreciate the fact they're not forcing him the ball at this juncture in the season. I get what people say. They say, okay, the reps are down. They're putting Gabe Davis back, um, getting him more looks. They're getting uh, Khalil Shakir more looks. They're running the football a lot more. And all those things are good because Joe Brady is just better at situational play calling than his predecessor was. And that's a fact of the matter. So he is not forcing touches to Stephon Diggs. The first time these two teams matched up, it was very clear. You stop Stephon Diggs, you stop this offense. That is no longer the case, and that's a good thing because they're going to need Diggs down the stretch into the playoffs, and the only way that they'll be able to get defenses to play them straight up is to show that they have other viable weapons at wide receiver and that they have a sound running game and that their number one receiver is actually just the person that's open. This is a tight needle to thread because Stephon Diggs has had issues with the Buffalo Bills dating back to the mm-hmm. offseason where he didn't show up for, you know, some a couple of days of training camp, trying to figure out exactly everything that's going on. Does he have an issue with Josh Allen? Yada, yada, yada. Look, as long as the team is winning, we haven't heard much from Stephon Diggs. But again, if this continues, and if he doesn't have any production, they lose, end up out of the playoffs, are you going to have an issue on your hands with Diggs since he had such a lackluster back part of the season? Yeah, I mean that, but that's isn't that an off-season problem now? Like I, I do commend him and appreciate that we haven't heard of it lately, right? Even mm-hmm. when his as his production's down, that he's do he's being a team player now. He's doing what's best for the team now and just biting his tongue, not saying anything. I feel like we're going. This is this is an unfinished story. It's kind of been boiling over for the last what year and a half now. Yeah, kind of feels that way. And, like, we'll, we'll hear about it in the offseason. But I think what we heard there from Andrew Hawkins is right uh, in that it is better for the team. James Cook is a bigger part of the offense. Gabe Davis is a bigger part of the offense. The young tight end is a big part of the bigger – you know, they're, make, they're, they're all contributing. And then Josh Allen's running more. It's, it's creating a more balanced offense. And I think that's good for the team in the long term. It was probably, and look, I had Steph Diggs on my fantasy team, and I didn't like it one bit, (laughs) but it's probably better for the Buffalo Bills and their overall offense and where they are long-term to have more options and not try to force-feed him consistently. Yeah, that's that's certainly something to kind of keep an eye on for the Buffalo Bills as they get ready to take on the Miami Dolphins. That that AFC East championship game happening on Sunday night. Nights. You can always join our conversation. Triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. That's the Dr Pepper call in line on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. But we're going to play a little game here as we welcome in our producer Shannon Penn, who's going to list off a list of quarterbacks. Uh-huh. Play a little game of trust tree yeah. here, Shannon. Ooh. A little little trust tree here. I'm going to ask you guys get your level of trust. I'm going to give you a quarterback. You got to tell me your level of trust, low, medium, and high. And whether or not this this quarterback can take his team on a deep playoff run, and by deep playoff run, I mean conference championship game. All right, okay. trust tree, low, medium, high. All right, all right, Gabe, I will start with you. Hit me, Baker Mayfield. With your level of trust that Baker can lead the Bucks to a deep playoff, a it's, deep playoff it's pretty, run. It's pretty low. I, I know he's played well in a couple of games as of late, but just had one where he did not play well against the New Orleans Saints last weekend. 
It is very, very low. I, I fully expect whoever ends up being that wild card team, and right now it looks like it is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles in that five spot to go on the road and beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The, the confidence level for me is low because I think the Buccaneers are in the playoffs and then they're going to be out of the playoffs in the blink of an eye. Mine's like, you know how when you your gas is running, you're basically out of gas and it's, yeah. uh, you're at low? It's actually below low. Right, it's below like the end when you're, it looks you're, like you're, you're out like of gas. Kramer. You're trying That's to go below the and e. Look, this isn't a Baker Mayfield thing. This is the team around him thing. Like their team is not good enough for them to make a run to the the NFC Championship game. That's why it's not that Baker Mayfield's not playing well. He actually is playing really well. But the team around them, they just they're not they're not going to the championship game. So it's past low. I'm out of gas low. All right, I got an idea where Jordan's going to go with this next quarterback, but I'll ask anyway. Jordan, what's your level of trust that Josh Allen can lead the Buffalo Bills on a deep playoff run? Yeah, it's obviously high. Come on, I'm the Josh Allen stand. I mean, th- this guy has 42 total touchdowns. What makes you think that he's not capable of putting together two or three straight games of really high-level football? Even when they lose most of the time, like, remember, what was that game? Was that against the Eagles or the Chiefs? It was against the Eagles, the game before they started their four-game winning streak. Yeah. Josh Allen still played really get, well. He played really well. He was the only reason they were in that game because he played really well. Like he has that in him and he could do it consistently enough. And he has done it consistently enough. I get it. He makes some mistakes, but he overcomes them by doing something that's very important in a game of football scoring touchdowns. It's high for me. And this Bills team just feels different. Even then, they did a year ago. They were 13-3 and because they had the, the game that wasn't played against the Bengals because it was canceled with everything that happened to Mar Hamlin. So if they win and end up as the, the two-seed this time, it just feels like they're playing better at this point in the season than they were even a year ago. So my confidence in the Bills is high that they could make it to a conference championship game, especially if they end up with that number two seed, and which I think they will. I think they're beating Miami on Sunday night. So I've got a high level of confidence in, in Josh Allen. All right, Gabe, what's your level of uh, confidence, level of trust in Joe Flacco and his ability to take the Browns on a deep playoff run? It's probably more like a medium, but right now it feels irrationally high because I got Flacco fever, baby. Dude's thrown for the most yards in the NFL over the last five weeks. You want to talk about, okay, yeah, same thing with Josh Allen. He might turn the ball over, but guess what? He's pushing the ball down the field. He is getting this team to score points. They have looked better than they have with any of the other three quarterbacks and now a fifth quarterback that's going to be added with who they're starting this weekend uh, because they're resting Joe Flacco, locked into the number five seed. Flacco's taking chances, and everybody's riding high. I've got high level of confidence in Joe Flacco. I, I, I'm not quite sure how it happens, but Joe Flacco's going to continue to roll. So with yeah, that that's I I got Flacco fever. That's what it comes down to. It's unbelievable. I, I can't. It seems irrational, but it's it it is what it is. It's been so much fun to watch this Cleveland Browns team over the last few weeks. I, I know Jordan. The, I'm going low. Yeah, I was about to say. I know yeah, you're probably low. not going below the E, but this I know you're going low. This isn't to say Joe Flacco hasn't been a great story and he's not playing well, but we're talking about. Doing it against really high-level teams so far, last four games, Jets, Texans, Bears, Jaguars, not terrible teams, don't get me wrong, but you know what that's not? That's not the Bills, that's not the Dolphins, that's not the Chiefs, 
That's not uh, the Ravens. Like, that's who he's going to have to do it against now. Those eight interceptions that he's thrown so far, when you do that against a better team, it will come back to bite them. Wait, how and come that's you have the double I'm standard for Flacco, but you don't have the standard? Because your boy, Josh Allen, turns the ball over just as much. No, no. Josh Allen is producing at a way greater than two-to-one ratio of touchdowns to interceptions. With Joe Flacco, 11-8? to eight? That's a big yeah, difference, Gabe. I that, get that it. They're both, they both commit turnovers, but one is producing touchdowns at a much greater rate. So that, yeah. that's the difference to me. Okay. I mean, I, I think Flacco's putting him in position with all the yards that he's throwing for. He's been great. But turns la- off and hands it those off. mistakes that he does make, and he has been even making throughout this great run, will be highlighted against the better teams. All right, Jordan, next quarterback on the list, looking at our trust tree, level of trust that these quarterbacks can lead their teams to a deep playoff run, Matthew Stafford. What say you, Jordan? Yeah, hi. I mean, I just saw him play this past week, and the dude is – and he actually sailed a couple passes, but the dude's playing lights out. I mean, he's one of the been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL over the past 11 touchdowns and two interceptions, I believe, in his last, what, four or five games? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm big on the I'm almost as big a Matt Stafford stand by the way as I am uh, Josh Allen. So I'm I'm high on Matt Stafford. He can put together some high level games, and he has throughout the second half of the season. Wing Martindale said it should be him and and uh, this was before last week. Him and uh, Lamar Jackson should be up for the MVP. I'm really bummed that this game does has really doesn't mean much this weekend for the Rams or Niners. Just to see if this could have been a type of game for the Rams where it gives them more confidence. Oh, hey, man, we we hung with that team. But instead, we're getting Sam Darnold versus Carson Wentz, former top draft picks that are now elsewhere and <laughs> trying to revive their careers in the Rams 49ers game this week. I'm, That's I'm an intriguing prob- 2019 matchup, though. Yeah, oh, it's, it's very intriguing 2019 matchup. I'm probably more of a medium here with Matthew Stafford, and all the things you said are correct. He is playing lights. He's playing great. Did sail a couple of throws, did have a couple of interceptions. It's more about the Rams team. It feels like that they have such a high ceiling, and maybe they have the best chance at beating the 49ers, but also they've been wildly inconsistent. They have some playmakers, and they need those playmakers almost to be perfect, it seems, to kind of make any sort of deep run to a conference yeah. championship game when back to back, like when back to back games road on the games. road to get to a conference championship game. Seems unlikely, but I do want to show proper respect to Matthew Stafford, so I'll go medium. All right, Gabe, I'm glad you mentioned wildly inconsistent. Next quarterback on the list, Gabe, Jalen Hurts. Sounds like a Giants fan talking right now. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> which le- well, absolutely. <laughs> which level of trust Jalen Hurts can lead the Eagles? Right the ship and get the Eagles back to the Super Bowl. All right, so we're looking at a road game against Tampa Bay. Then they're going on the road, likely against San Francisco. Seems pretty low. I I don't think that the Eagles, the next two weeks, yes, it would be good for them to get wins in these next two weeks against the Giants. Then presumably, if if I project it out, I would say Tampa Bay ends up winning the South, and that's their first playoff game. But those aren't really high-quality teams. I don't think Jalen Hurts in this this version of the Eagles is going mm-hmm. into San Francisco beating the 49ers. I'm going to go low here for the for, for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I can't go low because if you remember, who was the best player on the field in the Super Bowl in the big spot? Like I said before, sometimes the quarterback, now you know, okay, we can run him more. He could do more yeah. with his legs in the playoffs late in the season now where he can just put it all on the line, you know, and risk it. And so I'll put him at medium. I'm not counting out Jalen Hurts. All right, Jordan, next up on the list, looking at trust level of quarterbacks being able to lead their teams to at least a conference championship game, 
What about Tua? What do you have, Tua? What's the level of trust that Tua can lead the Dolphins to? Yeah, I'm also medium with Tua. Uh, he has the, if his weapons around him are strong enough, that Dolphins team is actually better. They're in bad. Sh- they're better than they have been in years, and the defense is better. Everything about him and Tua's playing well. He's played well, any really, really all year. He's played pretty well. There's really no knock I have on Tua. The question is, are they too banged up as a team right now? I don't feel great about the Miami Dolphins as a team, but I feel good about Tua. The dude's been he's been good. I think Tua is their quarterback of the future. This is just not the Dolphins' year. Like, this is the first time. I mean, and, and it feels like we because we've been having this debate over Tua ever since he was drafted, and he's had some injury concerns, and he played so well last year, had the concussion issues, and the Dolphins ended up missing the playoffs. This is the first time the Dolphins are going to be in the playoffs, which is a significant step. My confidence level isn't high in the Dolphins. It's it's higher in Tua. I think he's their guy going forward. I'll say medium. But I don't have very high expectations for Miami Dolphins. All right, last quarterback on the list, Gabe, Jared Goff. What's your level of trust that Jared Goff can lead the Lions on a deep playoff run? Man, things would be so different. The Lions and Cowboys, I almost feel exactly the same about them in terms of what they do at home versus on the road. And the fact that they aren't going to get that two seed, or likely not to get the two seed, I should say. I guess there's still a chance that they end up ahead of the Dallas Cowboys. And and the... um, and the Philadelphia Eagles, but only having the one home game plus it's a team. Goff does turn the ball over from time to time. I don't trust him when he gets outdoors on the road. I'm going to say this is low. I think it's a low confidence level for Jared Goff getting to an NFC Championship game. Yeah, I usually would probably agree with you here, but I'm going to say medium because they already just went in there and they almost beat the Dallas Cowboys. They should have beaten the Dallas Cowboys, so that's going to be the game to get them, right? Likely to the second round. I expect them to win at home. That'll be crazy. And I get it. His splits are are difficult to, you know, stomach. But think about it. Dallas, controlled conditions. It's not outdoors. It's not crazy. Mm-hmm. I do have more confidence in knowing that it's in an inside and likely in a dome. And that is Trust Tree going through some quarterbacks and how much we trust them to make a deep playoff run. It's Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio shifting gears going to the NBA because the Lakers have made some lineup changes and reportedly that's causing some disjointedness between players and their head coach and Darvin Ham. Uh, Yeah, disjointedness. Doesn't look right. (laughs) You're you're the writer. I I, I should probably trust you. Yeah, I should probably probably trust you in this situation. This looks weird. Uh, what should we make of the Lakers' disjointedness? And we find out if that's a real word or not. That's coming up next. Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, 
FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Gabe Nine, so Jordan Ron on filling in here today on Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Spend a lot of time talking about the NFL today. But we have to pivot over to the NBA because a lot of things going on seemingly with the Los Angeles Lakers. To help us break it down, we welcome in from 710 ESPN LA, also ESPN play-by-play announcer, George Dono. George, we always appreciate the time. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Well, let's start with this report coming out of The Athletic because sources in that report describe some disjointedness between head coach Darvin Ham and the team stemming from some of the rotation and starting lineup adjustments that have come recently, leading to a fluctuating rhythm for several players across the roster. So how big of an issue are the roster adjustments and playing time adjustments that Darvin Ham has made? Well, I think it's certainly part of it. I think some of them, some of those decisions were perplexing. Um, a couple of nights ago, they had a starting lineup with a bunch of non-shooters basically on it with LeBron and Anthony Davis, particularly Jared Vanderbilt and Cam Reddish together, which I didn't feel made a ton of sense. But, you know, when I spoke to Darvin Ham yesterday, I was at the game and I was doing the game with Mike Breen and Doc Rivers. I, uh, I asked him just kind of like what really led to some of these decisions. And he just said injury allowed them or put them in a position to make decisions that may feel a little uncharacteristic of what they would normally do. They were just kind of searching for answers, basically, is the way he described it. And he kind of doubled down on that last night after the game in the postgame, although I, I didn't get the thing he said <laughs> when he said that them missing their role players like Hachimura and Russell and Vincent is worse off than Miami missing Jimmy Butler. Like that one, I I didn't get at all to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, I feel like Darwin is just kind of searching for stuff right now. And look, this was a team last year as it was well-documented and you guys know struggled mightily during the regular season. And then late in the year after the trade deadline really kind of took off and got to the conference finals. I just don't know if, what was written is that far from the truth. I think that, the you know, look, a lot of this depends on whose side of the story you're listening to. But I do think there is some validity to the fact that the guys are frustrated about the rotations and the losing, for sure. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks a lot. Happy New Year. Uh, by the way, I feel weird saying that. Didn't Larry David say, like, you only get, like, two or three days after New three Year's? Three days, yeah. Three days. Yeah, we well, listen, it's funny, expired. Mike Breen said the same thing yesterday. He said that it was done. Like, he actually thinks the day after is the day you should do it. Um, oh, so, wow. I, I don't know. Everybody's got different rules. So, my my rule is similar to what Doc was saying with uh, with us yesterday on the broadcast. If it's the first time I'm talking to you, it's still going to be Happy New Year for at least a week or so. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fair. As long as we haven't seen each other, then I think it's still fresh. But um, yeah. I'm curious – because we saw what the Lakers did in the in-season tournament, right? They won it. And now we're yeah. seeing their struggles now. 
with losing nine out of their last 12. What's what's the disconnect? What's been the biggest difference between the Lakers then and the Lakers now? Well, I think they clearly had some motivation, whether it was financial, competitive, whatever, all of the above. And I do think they were more healthy than they are now. I'm not trying to dismiss the health aspect of the equation here, but I just think that, I think that Darwin is in a place where the lineups have been shuffled so many times that guys, particularly in basketball, are creatures of habit. I mean, they want to shoot around at the same time every day. They want to work out at the same time every day. They want to nap at the same time every day. They are creatures of habit. And the guys I've talked to over the years say they enjoy playing for the coaches that at least give them some semblance of structure. They know night in and night out what to expect. The coach will tell them, hey, the expectation for you this week or this season or this month or whatever is X, Y, and Z. And I think with the constant fluctuations, that causes a problem. And by the way, even the healthy guys have been dangled in and out of the starting lineup, like an Austin Reeves, who's supposed to be, in theory, the third best player on this roster. So I I just think that there is some validity to that. I also think, if I had to guess, and he didn't say this to us, but just also the way I observe it too, is that this roster is somewhat flawed. And I'm guessing he looks at it and says, with the injuries, I don't have the right guys to plug and play uh, to replace the guys that have been injured. So I, I think that there's two sides to this. And it, well, actually three, right? There's the player's side of this and their sense of frustration. There's the coach's frustration, both with the players and perhaps with the front office, in my estimation, based on roster construction. And then there's the management side that's looking at it and saying, well, you know, that's for you to figure out. We feel like we've got the right pieces here. Talking with George Sedano, 710 ESPN LA, helping us break down the Laker issues. They have lost eight of their last 10 games, nine out of their last 12. It's Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Gabe Nigel, Jordan Ronan filling in. And you bring up, you brought up last year, they made all those trades at the deadline, rallied, were able to make the conference finals. Once this team gets healthy, are the solutions on this roster or are they going to be active in about a month at the trade deadline? No, I think they're going to be active. I think that team was just kind of caught lightning in a bottle. Um, And I don't think it's a sustainable model for them to win. They need more guys that are more well-rounded, okay? If you look at their roster, a lot of guys have warts on them. And a number of guys beyond the top four or five guys on the roster, however you would deem that, are guys who are mostly specialists. They do one thing really well. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is a great defender. Honestly, I think he's kind of an underrated passer, but he's not a good offensive player per se, okay? Particularly not a good shooter. He's a non-shooter. Cam Reddish, young guy who's bounced around the league, good defender, but again, offensively struggles, right? So they need guys who are more well-balanced because they're counting on those two guys that I just mentioned to play. Now, if you had only one of those guys where he was kind of a liability potentially on offense, I could see that being something that you could deal with. But when you got multiple guys like that, that's a big challenge. And then on the flip side, you got guys like D'Angelo Russell, for example, a liability on defense, but a good offensive player. But I don't know how his offense translates in the playoffs um, to the same level of success he has during the regular season, just based on stylistic stuff. And... (laughs) 
I, I think that those are the type of guys that are going to have to look at and say, do they have a future on this roster? And my guess is not all of them do. So there probably will be some moves at the deadline or at least the attempt to do so. The fact that they are in the position that they're in, right? They're 10th in the West. And LeBron is playing such a, you know, carrying such a heavy workload, right? 34 plus minutes a game. Dude's 39 years old. He's averaging 25, 7, 7, 7 and 7. Yeah. Do you, yeah. How much does that concern you, right? That they're going to ha- they might have to push here in the second half of the season. And with a guy like LeBron and probably Anthony Davis, given his, his injury history, that's not, that doesn't seem ideal for this team. I'm with you wholeheartedly. I'm a big believer in the biggest predictor of future injury is past injury. And we've seen LeBron, the wheels fall off a little bit, right? At certain times during the year, because he pushes so hard because he has to push so hard. And granted, he still had an incredible recovery in all these situations and got his team into a position to try to succeed. But man, you're asking a lot from a 39 year old. And by the way, same thing for Anthony Davis. While I think this team, the Lakers, have mostly botched the end of LeBron's career, I, knew that, I know they have the one championship to speak for, but I, I do feel like the roster construction around him has been flawed for most of the years they've had him. But now you've got Anthony Davis, who, again, gets ridiculed in a lot of ways, in a lot of circles, for lack of availability. He's missed two games this year. He's playing at an MVP-type level and a defensive player of the year-type level. And he was, I think it was 28-17-5 yesterday, and they got worked in that fourth <laughs> quarter, no matter how good he was. So that's a huge problem for the Lakers, to your point, when those two guys are playing at the level that they're playing and they're still under five hundred. George, we certainly appreciate the time and uh, you know appreciate the insight into the Los Angeles Lakers. You got it, guys. Have a great day. Happy New Year, George. See, I'm still going with it. Yeah, you are. But I, but see, but you wished him Happy New Year early. Can you do it again late? Is that now it's overkill? It feels a little overkill to me. Yeah, probably. But I could be wrong. Probably. I mean, I just threw it in because we had the conversation. We were ending it there. So, you know, just so we can continue going on for like another 10 seconds here. George Sedano, 710 ESPN LA, joining us here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Back to football. Which quarterback is going to be a better pro prospect? Is it Michael Penix Jr. or J.J. McCarthy as they get ready to go head-to-head in the national championship game coming on Monday night? That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. I'm looking forward to that national championship game on Monday for sure here on ESPN Radio. Number one versus number two. Last two undefeated teams in college football. Seems like a great way to end the college football season. It's Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, Gabe Nigel, Jordan Rondon, hanging out with you today, filling in for the guys, ESPN Radio, presented as always by Progressive Insurance. But there's more on the line than just a college football national championship trophy because for the two quarterbacks in this game, Michael Penix Jr. and J.J. McCarthy, certainly a lot on the line in terms of future draft prospects. And now that there are multiple games as part of a college football playoff, you can almost have that you know NCAA tournament feel in, in basketball because how many times, Jordan, in hoops mm-hmm. have we seen a player get hot go on a run, and that just shoots their draft stock up and into the NBA draft lottery. Yeah. Remember Chris Wilcox? I was at Maryland. I oh, was a yeah. Maryland grad. Chris, mm-hmm. Chris Wilcox, uh, Cox, 
outplayed, I believe it was Drew Gooden. Ends up getting drafted like third in the NBA draft as a sophomore. <laughs> and never, he never really played up to that level, but it was all because he had a monster NCAA tournament. Uh, Steph Curry's another guy, mm-hmm. I think, back of him basketball. So, yeah, he was awesome in that tournament. Remember, he was everyone looked at him as too small to be this great NBA player and he kind of lit up the uh, NCAA tournament, got drafted in the top ten. Yeah, and certainly has gone on to have a tremendous career. So with these two quarterbacks, you know, Michael Penix Jr., I feel people have been lukewarm at best on mm-hmm. his NFL in terms of being like a first-round pick. You want to know why? I, well, I, I know why. Yeah, it's, it's all because of the injury. Yeah. yeah. So teams are petrified. Can you really justify a top-10 pick, a really high pick, on a guy who had four straight seasons of his ended with an injury? Two of them were ACL tears. One was a shoulder problem. Like, that's a lot of wear and tear on a guy you're drafting. Like, they're, they're, when you have that kind of wear and tear on your body as a youngster, the likelihood that it comes back and, and bothers you as you move forward is obviously a lot greater. That's a huge risk for a quarterback. But because of what he's been able to do, especially in the big games this year against Oregon twice, and then putting on the performance he did in the semifinal game against Texas, his draft stock is rising, according to Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN NFL draft expert, host of Darian Mel, as he joined Freddie and Harry earlier this week. He is certainly putting himself in the conversation to be a first-round draft choice, and I think that's the thing. You say, well, why isn't he a top? He's had four injuries at Indiana, and I said last year he needed to go back to have two years at Washington improve, not just for one year, but for two years he could stay healthy and be throwing accurate strikes like he does to all levels of the field and getting the job done the way he has been the last two years with an 11-2 season and a 14-0 and season. So you can see how valuable 12-5 and as a starter Michael Penix Jr. was to Indiana. Yet, he was hurt all those years, and that was the big concern was the durability. He's dispelled that the last two years. Uh, his great awareness, he's, he's slipping and sliding in the pocket. I love the quarterback draw last night, showed he could beat the defense with his legs. So to me, yes, he's definitely heavily in the discussion to be a pick somewhere in the middle of the first round, maybe higher to be the fourth and item, fifth going into last night behind J.J. McCarthy, who, by the way, accounted himself pretty well, but he's certainly in line to be the fourth quarterback off the board. We'd say, why is he four? Well, you got Caleb Williams, you got Drake May, and you got Jaden Daniels. J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, in the first round. Do you see that? I, I Every time I watch him, I'm not like overly impressed by J.J. McCarthy. I know people, and I've spoken to people in the NFL, that they, they think he's going to be a better NFL player than he is college player. But when I watch him, I just, I don't know. I haven't seen, you know, first-round star potential NFL quarterback. Now, I, I don't see the first round maybe a flyer because there are some raw tools there to work with. But I don't know if I'm drafting him going, yeah, this guy's – because if you draft, no matter where you draft someone in the first round, whether it's you know whoever at number yeah. one, whether it's Lamar Jackson at 32, if you draft a quarterback in the first round, that guy's going to get a chance to start for your team no matter what. He's no matter looked what, at that as a future gonna, franchise quarterback, right, yeah, if he's drafted I, in the first round. It doesn't matter 100%, where. 100%. 100%. And I guess I just see him, okay, maybe if you really love his raw tools, you take a chance on him in the second or third round. Because I I loved what I hear, heard there from Mel Kuyper Jr. about Michael Penix Jr. Because I'm, I'm a big guy. I've loved what he's done all season long. I think the accuracy that he has. And the one thing that he proved to me in the semifinal game against Texas is mm-hmm. he kind of disproved the narrative about, oh, this guy just stands in the pocket all the time. No, he's got enough. Yeah. I mean, he's not. He's not going to be Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, but he's 
athletic enough where he can avoid the rush in the pocket, get outside the pocket, run and pick up that five, six, seven, eight yards that you might need for a first down to continue a drive. I think he showed he still has, despite the ACL injuries and the ACL surgeries, he has enough athleticism at that position. And the great thing for him, if he ends up in a, as a first, middle of the first or late first, he ends up in a better spot where he's not going to be asked to do everything and probably have some talent around him. Yeah, people got mad at me because I compared him. I when I when I looked at him, I said I saw a lot of Tua, and they're like, okay. "You're only saying that because he's a left-hander." Because I get it; he has way more arm strength than Tua. Yeah, but I meant like the when you when he came. First of all, he has that really quick release, which kind of yep. reminds me of Tua, and and his accuracy is. Yep. I thought I, I thought his accuracy this year has been incredible. So and and the idea that he he's not super athletic at this point, right? That's not his thing because he. He knows he can't do that. He has all these injuries. It's not it's not beneficial to him to go take all those hits. Mm-hmm. But it's more of a matter just navigating the pocket. And he's shown that he is capable of doing that. And that reminded me of Tua. And he also came with the, like, the, the medical concerns. With Tua, it was can he stay healthy. With him, it's more medical. But, yeah. So that that's where I saw that. Who will raise the trophy? Find out Monday, the college football playoff national championship presented by AT&T. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Which quarterback has the most pressure to win in the NFL playoffs? That's next, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.